SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Thanks uh, to the Money Web team. Have a great weekend. Uh, coming to you from Cape Town, we've got half an hour of non-stop sporting action and a busy show to get through tonight. We've got uh, some rugby to talk about, the Sevens in Dubai, as well as the Springbok Test against Wales tomorrow in Cardiff. We'll touch base with Muhammad Ali to talk uh, the Telcom knockout final between Bloom Celtic and Bidvest Vitz and a uh, small matter of a FIFA World Cup draw that has just concluded. And uh, we'll discuss the issue of Stadia in Cape Town. Big issues uh, again today announced that IX Cape Town will be playing their next league fixture at uh, the Bidvest Stadium, that one against Chipper United because of what's going on with the stadium uh, down here in Cape Town. We'll get to all of that in a moment, but let's just take a look quickly at news uh, making headlines. That draw has concluded for the World Cup in Russia next year. The groups are as follows. Group A, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Uruguay, Portugal, Spain, Morocco in uh, Iran in Group B. Group C sees France, Australia, Peru and Denmark lock horns. Nigeria have been drawn alongside Argentina in Group D with Iceland and Croatia making the rest of it up. In Group E, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia. Group F, Germany, Mexico, Sweden and South Korea. England have been drawn in Group G alongside Belgium, Panama and Tunisia, while Japan come up against Poland, Senegal and Colombia in Group H. Those are the groups for the FIFA 2010 World Cup. Should be a fascinating tournament. Uh, Also, just a couple of minutes ago, the Blitzbox beating Canada. So they're three for three on day one of the Dubai Sevens. And speaking of rugby, let's catch up with uh, Craig Ray next. SAFM Sports Wrap. Time to chat some rugby here on SAFM. And uh, as far as title defences go, couldn't have asked for a better start on day one of the Dubai Sevens. Craig Ray joins us now. Craig, the Blitzbox pretty much uh, picking up where they left off last season. Yeah, it started shakily though, Brad. Uh, 19-10 over Uganda in their first game. And, you know, it wasn't an emphatic performance. They looked really ruskier than a a window at the seaside in that game, but uh, they certainly got the, into their stride in game two, thrashing Kenya 48-5, and then you know, a very workmanlike performance to beat Canada 28-0 in their final game, and now we just have to wait to see uh, who they'll play in the uh, quarterfinals tomorrow. Uh, Dubai, very happy hunting, hunting ground for the Blitzbox. Uh, they've uh, won a few times, and uh, as far as the, the World Series goes, always good to get off to a winning start. Uh, they'll be happy, I think. Uh, yeah, they were, were, as you said, rusty in the first game, but it's uh, better to, to win ugly than lose pretty. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it was always going to be a tricky first game. Uh, Uganda actually coming off a nice qualifying tournament in Africa. They played a lot of competitive sevens rugby going into this tournament. So, yeah, they were always going to be a little bit more fired up than than the Blitzbox, but you know, the, the South Africa really hit their straps. And you can just see their structures, how good they are on defense, how they drift, how they make their tackles, how they get in over the ball at the breakdown. You know, they just do everything so well. They're, not, they're the smallest team on the circuit in terms of physical stature, the Blitzbox, but they're very physical over the ball, and uh, you know, they really make it count. And you know, I don't think they need to have fear of anyone, but you know, Sevens Rugby, one mistake, and it's a try down the other end. So... Fiji looking good today. They won all their games in New Zealand. They haven't just scraped through a couple of games, but uh, they got there in the end. So, yeah, the usual suspects are, are at it, and England, I think, are playing about now. Um, and they should also win their fourth, uh, third game of the day. So the top four look like the top four again at this early stage of the season. 
Let's talk 15-man rugby. The box in action tomorrow against Wales. Uh, this one falling out of the international test window. So uh, some changes, particularly in the back row for, for the Springboks. Your thoughts on, on the changes? Yeah, well, first of all, it's a, I think it's a game that no one really wants. I mean, you know, both teams are depleted because of uh, it falling out of the window and injuries and everything. But, yeah, going to the Springbok changes, Dan Dupree into the back row for his first test start. And we also see Warwick Alun coming in on the wings. Peter Sierkalisi's back in that uh, loose, loose trio after missing last week through paternity leave. Again, you know, the Springbok pack, which was very good last week, still looks very strong this week. I mean, Daniel Dupree is very similar to Dwayne from Merlin in the way he plays physical and direct. He's not as experienced, of course, but you know, he, he brings the same style uh, that, uh, that, that Dwayne Vermeulen brought in. Sia Khaleesi you know, will just give the team a lift, actually. And Stephen Kitzel starting at Lucid in place of the injured beast, Matawariro, well, that might even be an improvement as well. So it really looks like a, a fantastic pack of forwards, and they're going to have to be good because I watched that Wales-New Zealand game, and despite the fact that Wales are missing quite a few players from that game, they were excellent in that New Zealand game. Yeah, absolutely. I like the look of, of that forward pack, if I have to be honest. And uh, a start for Warwick Gallant. Uh, he got a couple of minutes last week, and, and he looked full of industry. He looked like he was eager and keen. Let's see how he goes for 80 minutes tomorrow. Yeah, and I mean, of course, being the Principality Stadium, the roof will be closed, so weather won't be an issue. Um, you know, the field might be a little damp. It always is, because it's probably been open most of the week and therefore got a bit of rain. But it should be decent conditions and, and, and great for a guy like Gallant. But, you know, Wales want to play a ball-in-hand approach. They were really good and effective against the All Blacks for long periods last week. They're missing a couple of key players. No Jamie Robertson at 12. Uh, you know, they're ready without Jonathan Davies and Sam Warburton and uh, you know, a few others uh, that, that they could really rely on. So, you know, they're also down to their bare bones. But uh, their loose trio was fantastic against the All Blacks. Uh, Talupi Folletau, Josh Navidi and Aaron Shingler. And they are in it again tomorrow. And that's going to be a real contest for those two loose forwards Two, two sets of loose forwards going at each other. I have to ask this question. We spoke about some weird uh, selections last week. I, when I saw the team yesterday, I was shocked that Rudy Page has been omitted. What, what's the story there, Craig? I, you know, I, I don't understand what's going on with Rudy Page because last week he finally got a bit of time. He got about 27 minutes last week, and I thought he played really well in very tough conditions. He came on and he hit two pinpoint contestable kicks that Ross Cronier hasn't been able to hit all season. Um, and, you know, he cleared the base of the ruck quickly, and, and you know, he looked good, and I thought, well, there you go, Rudy Page has taken his chance, and yeah, maybe next week he'll even get a start, and suddenly he's out of the 22, out of the 23. I can only assume, and, and, and Brad, I don't know, because I haven't got other, anything other than the official word on it, I can only assume that Louis Schroeder was promised a game on tour, which coaches sometimes do, they say, well, we'll play you in this game or that game, uh, barring injury or, or some other crisis, and so that's what's happened, because it really doesn't make any sense to me. I, in fact, would have started with Page and put Shredder on the bench and dropped Cronier altogether. But, you know, it seems like Cronier has established himself under Couture, and that's how it is. So, very confusing. Warwick Lund out of position. Why couldn't he go in at fullback? Why did he have to go in at wing? Although that will be fairly interchangeable on defence. Um, you know, and the rest of the changes, I think, were fairly self-explanatory uh, due to injury and, and, and so on. Hmm. Let's talk the bench. Uh, we've seen it so often. The bench uh, makes a, a big impact or needs to make a big impact. Uh, I've got a funny feeling we might need them to do that tomorrow. Your thoughts on, on the Springbok bench? Yeah, Lukanya am set for his test debut and he's such a good player. He's such a good reader of defence. But again, you know, it's not 
the famous starting attempt coming on with 15 minutes to go. I think Am's biggest strength is is, is, is defensive organisation. And, you know, that you might want from the start of the game rather than in the last 15 minutes when games are there to be won and lost. But still, I'm excited to see him. I think Louis Schroeder has had a good season, so good to see how he goes. Open Mahoja in for his first game on tour. You know, he can bring some impact off the bench as well as Kasim. But it doesn't feel... It's a very inexperienced bench. I mean, you've got two uncapped players. Kasim's only played a handful of tests. Ruan has played a handful of tests. Pongium Manambi's been much a fringe player. So it's a very uh, inexperienced bench, but so is the Welsh bench. Although they do have a guy like Reese Webb on the bench, which surprises me. I can't believe that he's not starting. And I can only tell him that it's down to that knock he took last week and maybe he's not 100%. As far as kickoff, uh, South African time, what are we looking at tomorrow? Uh, Hopper's four uh, in the afternoon. So a nice time to have a bry and watch the game. That's exactly what I was thinking. We'll have updates uh, through, uh, for you throughout the afternoon uh, here on SAFM Sports Special. Craig Gray, thank you very much for that. Uh, enjoy enjoy the, the test tomorrow. I'm sure you're going to and uh, enjoy the rest of the Dubai Sevens. Uh, I'm glad Sevens Rugby's back. Uh, it's, yeah, who needs to mow lawn when you can watch rugby all weekend? <laughs> and it's nice to see a South African team winning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the one to say it. Craig Gray, have yourself a great weekend, mate. Cheers, Craig. Thanks. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is South Africa's news and information. Need a big weekend for South African football fans. It is the Telcom knockout final. It's all taking place at the Princess Mogogo Stadium. Bidvest Vitz up against Bloemfontein Celtic. Mohamed Ali joins us now. Mo, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. It's an interesting one, this one, particularly if you look at current form. Uh, obviously, Bidvest Vitz on paper would be favourites, but uh, on form, Bloem Celtic have got a really good chance of winning this thing. They certainly do. And uh, as you mentioned on paper, I mean, it should be a walk in the park for Budvis. But if you look at the league situation, it's just unbelievable. They are bottom of the table. And, uh, you know, even worse for them, Brad, is they've scored only six goals in 11 league games. It's, it's, uh, but having said that, Liverpool and Celtic haven't done much better in terms of goal scoring as well. They've got eight goals in 11 games. So I tell you what, we can expect a low scoring affair tomorrow evening, probably a 1-0 or, a, you know, 2-1 or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult situation for for, for But this, but that's actually uh, very interesting as well, because it's the one title that Gavin Hunt has not won as a coach in South Africa. You know, we, we know he's got four league titles. He's won the Ned Bank Cup. He's won the MTN8 last year with uh, Bidvest when they beat Mamelodi Sundown. So this is actually a fantastic opportunity, despite the terrible position in the league, that uh, Gavin Hunt can actually complete the full set. And, uh, you know, maybe that, that could be the uh, turnaround in their season and could jumpstart their season with a victory over Bloemfontein Celtic. Well, incidentally, the last time they went past the first round in the competition, they actually went on and won it in 2012 at the Moses Mabida Stadium against Mamelodi Sundowns, which incidentally was uh, Johan Neskens' last game as coach of Sundowns. So Bloemfontein's been good. Uh, I mean, uh, Durban's been good for Bloemfontein Celtic, and uh, I certainly wouldn't write him off. Let's talk about uh, Durban, Princess Mogogo Stadium, not uh, the most iconic of stadiums in, in South Africa. I know there's been much talk about the pitch and the size of the stadium. Your thoughts on, on having the final there, first of all, but I know Gavin Hunt had quite a bit to say about the state of the pitch already. Exactly. Um, my thoughts on, the, on Princess Magogo Stadium, I think you can understand the reasoning why uh, the PSL went for a compact venue. It's only got a 12,000 capacity and with the greatest respect, uh, Budvest and, and Bloemfontein Celtic, although they will have their order of fans and their colourful fans and their singing fans, 
they're not going to fill up, uh, for example, the Moses Mabida Stadium, which is 54,000 capacity or any of the other World Cup stadiums. So it does make sense from that point of view and, and particularly from a marketing point of view. You often get people from outside South Africa when they have the opportunity to watch games uh, of the PSL and uh, in particularly, you know, when the television cameras show the, the far side stands, which are inevitably empty, unfortunately, besides the big games. And uh, from that point of view, you can understand why the, the league took the game to a compact when they liked the Moses Mabida Stadium. For example, I think it was in 2008 when they took uh, the Orlando Pirates' Ajax Cape Town game to the Chatsworth Stadium in Durban as well. They seem to have this liking for Durban. Um, so from that point of view, it does make sense. And, and of course, it's a neutral venue for both sides. Uh, as you mentioned, Gavin Hunt uh, did mention that uh, there were problems with the uh, Moses Mabida Stadium pitch. Uh, not that Budweiser play carpet football, actually. So, <laughs> if anything, I think it's probably uh, going to impact more on uh, Bloemfontein Celtic because uh, Budweiser have the style of you know playing the ball out wide to the wingers and knocking it into the centre where they have big strikers like uh, James Keane and Elazar Rogers, although Amad Jamal, the Egyptian, has done well for them up front. So I think, uh, you know, maybe a bit of mind games as well, who knows, uh, from Gavin Hunt, you know, coming out early and, and talking about the pitch. Um, but uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, game because I, I see from the weather forecast as well that Gale Force wins a forecast for Durban for tomorrow. Yeah, they have had some crazy weather, particularly rain. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see from a, a personnel perspective. I know Bidvest Vitz, uh, their, their defense is looking a bit firmer than it has uh, of late with uh, a couple of returnees. Yeah, they're hoping that Tulani Shlatswayo, the Bafana captain, will be back. He's been out for a few weeks with a toe injury, and uh, Bushlimo Konazi's been out for about a year, and uh, he's returned a few weeks ago. And you mentioned that they've, they've tightened up. They've actually got a, an awful record in the league as well. They've conceded 15 in the league, and, and that's been the Achilles heel. Um, but I'm sure, you know, with, with Mukonazi and Shatswayo back in the center of defense, uh, that, that should improve for them. They, they've played uh, Kumlani Shangasi at the back, and he's normally a midfielder, a short midfielder, <laughs> not the ideal guy to have in defense. So I think, you know, the, the return uh, of uh, Shatswayo and Mukonazi will certainly strengthen them in defense. And it's probably in, in midfield where Bidvestwitz are, are very strong. They've got uh, Tabang Monari, uh, the, yeah, Dane Clayton, and uh, Dominguez, Elis Palembe haven't uh, played regularly simply because uh, they, they have so much uh, depth in that uh, position. Although Stephen Pina has yet to come to the party since joining. Dalen Klaassen hasn't played regularly either. They've got so many players in, in midfield, but uh, they haven't really produced. Uh, Bloemfontein Celtic certainly a massive, massive turnaround for them. Uh, they just about avoided relegation last season. And uh, Veselin Jelicic, the, the Serbian-born coach, uh, he has coached their national teams in the region before, Angola and Namibia. And he certainly has done a very, very good job with them. Uh, I mean, they, they eliminated Supersport United last year's uh, beaten finalists uh, in, along the way. And uh, they've, they've shown a kind of a resilience. They're very tight at the back. They don't play the most exciting football, but, but they play within the limitations. And I think, uh, you know, Bloomfield and Celtic fans will be happy enough for that. Kickoff tomorrow night? Kickoff is at eight first, uh, 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Sorry, I beg your pardon. 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. So, um, yeah, we'll have the uh, first first half on, on SAFM Sports Special and then uh, report for the second half and maybe extra time, which I think is a possibility. Yeah, I was going to say, what are the odds of penalties? Bloom Celtic have uh, almost become penalty specialists in the build-up to this final in the quarters in the semi. So, uh, I'm putting my money on a penalty shootout tomorrow night. No, it might be, it might be <laughs> a late one. Particularly with the run of draws we've had in, exactly. in the PSL of late as well. Yeah, Exactly. Let's hope there's lots of goals, but yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. Let's talk World Cup, uh, FIFA World Cup as well. 2018, the draw took place place a short while ago uh, a couple of interesting ones uh, one Nigeria drawing Argentina once again 
once again, and uh, believe it or not, they actually played a friendly uh, last month as well in Russia when uh, Nigeria came from 2-0 down to win that game 4-2. They seem to be regular uh, combatants at World Cups, and uh, it's going to be an interesting one again. again. And for me, uh, Brad, I think Nigeria are by far the strongest uh, African side at this World Cup. Uh, You know, you talk about Senegal and Egypt, and uh, if if you look at those sides, you you take Mohamed Salah, for example, out of the Egypt side, you take Sadio Mane out of the the Senegal side, and suddenly they, they don't look that good any longer. Whereas Nigeria have got talent all over their side. Uh, you've got the Kelechi Iheanacho up front, Alexei Wobi, uh, John Obi, Mikhail, Victor Moses. You, you, you know, you just go through the whole side. They're, they're a side brimming with talent. And in the past, their downfall has been uh, the financial squabbles. If we remember what happened in Brazil with, with Ghana and uh, Nigeria, you know, all over the papers, the, the, the internal squabbles that they've had. And thankfully, they've already sorted that out. The, the bonuses are due to be paid. The coach has signed a long-term contract as well, going to draw. So they, they seem to have learned from their past mistakes. And I, I really would fancy Nigeria to do well at this uh, World Cup. Uh, not, not the easiest of groups. They've got Croatia in there as well, and Iceland could bring a surprise. And uh, certainly the, the, the group uh, involving Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia, a very interesting one as well. And uh, I think uh, Senegal could struggle, Poland, uh, Colombia in, in their group, um, and uh, Japan as well. And Japan have been to every World Cup since 1998. They are really you know, a team that, that can pull a surprise in the, on their day. Um, and, and from the rest of the African point of view, Tunisia up against uh, England, Panama, and Belgium. You would fancy England and Belgium to go through, but having looked at the way England did at the last <laughs> World Cup and the previous World Cup, you, you certainly wouldn't bet against uh, England not going through to the next round. Yeah, and Morocco, that's also a tough group. Group B, Portugal, Spain. Uh, I mean, those two up against each other should be quite interesting, and uh, Iran in there as well. Yep, yep, yep. And, and Carlos Quiroz has, has done a fantastic job with Iran uh, at the last World Cup. They ran Argentina very close. Um, but you would expect Portugal and Spain to, to go through Morocco and Iran, maybe uh, pulling up a surprise, getting a draw. But you can't see, uh, you can't look beyond Portugal and Spain in, in that group. And, uh, of course, the host group, uh, I, think, I think just looking at the group A, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Uruguay and Egypt, I think Egypt may, may just have a chance. You know, they've got Hector Cooper, a very uh, experienced coach. Uh, Russia didn't impress me at the Confederation Cup, which they hosted. Saudi Arabia, I don't think, would, would be a threat. So it's probably going to be between the host, Russia, Uruguay and uh, Egypt. And, of course, Uruguay do have lots of talent in Edison Cavani and uh, Luis Suarez, who hasn't been in the best of form uh, for Barcelona. But, yeah, I think, I think Egypt may, may just have a chance uh, getting through that group as well. Excellent stuff. Mohamed Ali, thank you for your time this evening here on SAFM Sport Trap. And uh, enjoy the telecom knockout tomorrow. We'll be uh, following the coverage. 6 p.m. kickoff. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks very much indeed, Brad. Always good to chat. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and you would have heard on PM Live this afternoon that uh, one of Ajax Cape Town's league matters have now also been moved. Uh, yesterday in the news, Benny McCarthy from Cape Town City uh, releasing a scathing statement, uh, lashing out at the city of Cape Town about uh, them having to play a home game at the Princess Mogogo Stadium uh, this coming week against Maritzburg United. We're joined now by the PSL's Professor Ronnie Schloss. Uh, Prof, welcome on to SAFM. FM Sports Wrap this evening. Thanks for, for taking the time to chat to us. 
thanks very much for having me. Yeah. Prof, obviously, d- difficult situation. Uh, there's uh, lots going on in Cape Town, not football related, unfortunately. And uh, I mean, Cape Town City coach Benny McCarthy having uh, big words yesterday and, and, and going after the city of Cape Town, saying that it's poor planning on their part. What, what is the, the status of, of the situation with the stadiums in Cape Town at the moment? We have a major problem in Cape Town. As it stands now, we only have one stadium, which is the main stadium, the Cape Town Stadium in Greenpoint. And that has been used for rugby now for the Sevens. And then later on in the year, it will also be closed to soccer for various events such as concerts and um, and there's the carnival and so on. Athlone, which is our other stadium in Cape Town, is closed because it's been, been overused. The condition of the pitch is really bad, and um, the council rightly closed it because we, as the PSL, would have had to do the same thing. We would have had to stop games from being played there in order to protect the players because uh, the pitch is so bad that it is possible that players could get injured playing there. So, we, <laughs> theoretically, we have one stadium, which is the Cape Town Stadium, that is available. And when I say is available, only available at certain times when there are no other functions. Prof, let's let's we'll touch on the Cape Town Stadium in a moment, but let, let's just get Athlone Stadium out of the way. You, you say it's been overused. Is the water crisis in Cape Town any sort of? Is that adding and compounding to the problem? Obviously, I mean we're not flush with water as everyone knows, and uh, yeah, I mean we we as far as sort of pitches being used lots if it's not getting the care and maintenance it needs that that also creates a bit of a problem well one of the biggest big problems we're having in the whole western cape is, uh, is the lack of water and the psl uh, has looked at i think 13 stadiums in western province going as far as wellington to you're looking to find something that was suitable and all the stadiums have been affected by the drought now some are worse off than others. Athlone doesn't have a borehole, and that has exacerbated the situation. And in fairness to the council, they've undertaken to get grey water to the stadium from the Athlone sewerage works, but that's work in progress. When it will be finished, um, I have no idea. The other problem that we have is that we have five teams in Cape Town, two Premier League teams and three First Division teams. And... Basically, we've all been using Athlone. So the wear and tear on Athlone has really been great, and um, no, no pitch could sustain that amount of work on that. Prof, I'm glad you brought up looking at other stadiums because that was going to be one of my questions. Uh, I mean, is there is there nothing else in the Western Cape? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's not the ideal situation with teams from Cape Town having to play home games in in uh, I mean the the one midweek with with Cape Town City, for example. I mean, that's turned into a home game for Maritzburg United. Yeah, no, look, it's t- totally unacceptable. It's, it's unfair on the Cape Town teams. Really, you're playing in a competitive league and you're losing your home ground advantage. And that's something you know, that the PSL doesn't want to see. They you know, believe that each team should be treated equally. But due to circumstances beyond our control, there are no stadiums available. As I say, we, we've looked at stadiums, the Gorland Rugby Stadium, the Paul Rugby Stadium, Newlands is there, the Newlands has been overseeded, and Stellenbosch University... The Donny Craven Stadium, that's in the process of having alterations done to the change room section. The rugby stadium is being 
uh, resurfaced for preparation for next season. And I can go on and on and on. We have a lovely stadium potential one in Hachiskral, in Atler. But that stadium in the municipality has allowed it to deteriorate completely. So it's a catch-22 situation. Mm. Uh, there are state potential stadiums, but those that are available for football are in poor condition from the pitch point of view and from the uh, general facilities. Prof, looking looking at the Cape Town Stadium as a whole, I, I mean, in, in Benny's statement yesterday saying that he doesn't think it's fair that that stadium was built around the FIFA 2010 World Cup. It was a purpose-built stadium for that. Obviously, it can be used for other things as well. And he feels soccer should get preference. Uh, uh, an event like the, the, the Sevens that, that are happening in Cape Town next weekend, obviously, it comes around once a year, but, but he's saying that, that football should get preference. Well, what's the PSL's take on that? Yes, look, we, we believe that the stadiums work for the World Cup, but the stadium is a facility that's available. It's, it's an entertainment arena. And I, I think we, we understand that um, the stadium has to make, pass uh, other people to come there, concerts and so on, to generate an income. But um, <laughs> I think people have got to learn to work together. There, there was no need for um, Cape Town having to travel, let's say, on Tuesday uh, before the game, because the, the, the sevens only starts uh, on the on the weekend. Starts on starts on the weekend, and um, playing on Tuesday would have would have been fun. So um, one's got to look at the, how do you work together when you have a multi-purpose venue, and that can you can ensure that all parties get the benefit from it. Prof, this this is an issue that that is not new. It's been around for many many years. Anybody in the Western Cape who supports football uh, will will attest to that. What's the solution to this? We can't keep having this cropping up year after year. I mean, it goes quiet for a little while and then it pops up again. Is it a case of just collaborating, having the various sporting codes? You've mentioned the rugby stadiums. Uh, Newlands is just down the road, as you said. They're busy reseeding at the moment, so that's not an option. But what what can be done to to stop this from happening? Well, I, I think, you know, we are experiencing problems in the Western Cape with regard to facilities, whether, let's be honest, whether there's water or not. Um, we, we have a shortage of decent facilities in the Western Cape where we can play football. And um, I think that's the powers that be, the municipality and the province need to look at that very seriously. Also, we have another stadium in Philippi, which was fixed up for the World Cup, and that's not used because of, of internal problems between the council and the province and um, <laughs> the stadium, which seats about, I think, 10,000, is, is not being used at all. So, all of these things yeah, the politicians have to look at and how do we make sure that we get the most out of the, the various venues that we have, that we can get full utilisation out of it. I know this is a difficult question to ask, but uh, from the PSL's perspective, do you feel like you've been treated like the ugly stepsister, that there are other sporting codes that are, are seen to be more important than football in, in the Western Cape? I think so. <laughs> and, um, yes, definitely. You know, when, when I look at and I, I take Faces for and, and a whole lot of the other local stadiums in, in the Cape Town, in Cape Town City area, um, <laughs> Better maintenance could have been carried out. The facilities could have been prepared better. Um, just generally, possibly a lack of interest. Why? I can't comment. 
I don't know. But definitely, I, I think that the soccer fraternity are getting the short end of it. Well, I'm going to leave that door open to uh, the city of Cape Town, uh, Western Cape government as well. If uh, they'd like to add their comment, they're more than welcome to. And, uh, yeah, we'd get them on. We'd love to, to hear their side of the story. Prof, thank you so much for your time this evening here on SAFM Sports Wrap. Uh, have a fantastic weekend. Uh, and, yeah, sadly, no football for Mother City next week. Uh, two big PSL teams need to play away from home, but that's the way it goes, I guess. Thank you. SAFM Sports Wrap. And that's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap this week. Uh, before I go, just to let you know that uh, the Blitzbox is going to be playing Samoa in their quarterfinal tomorrow uh, at the Dubai Sevens. We'll have uh, all the action for you, all updates uh, on SAFM Sports Special with John Carica also coming up this weekend, looking at uh, some of the other things. Uh, Sunday's World Disability Day, and they'll be finding out more about table cricket. Uh, you can find out uh, but that on uh, uh, on Sunday and then uh, we'll be having updates for you we'll be talking uh, the Springboks as they take on Wales the Telcom knockout final from six uh, some of the other interviews uh, bias against women in sports uh, their fall to see they're going to be discussing that with Dr. Kirsten van Heerden performance psychologist uh, and the only uh, heads of uh, or the head of the girls only project and if you're a Chad LeClough fan Make sure you listen Sunday afternoon. He's going to be chatting to John Carricker as well about his stellar 2017. That's it from me. Coming up on the other side of your 7 o'clock news, it is the Friday edition from myself, Brad Brown, uh, my producer in Johannesburg, and technical producer Loyolo and uh, Phineas tonight. Thanks for your help, gents. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll chat again on Monday. More sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. It is 7 o'clock. Good night.